I'd like to introduce our speaker, Marty. I'm Marty, compulsive overreader. And I fully believe I was born that way. I didn't have a choice. Uh, it came with the genes. And uh, I thank God my mommy and daddy got together and bonded me. Uh, I, for a long time, I wasn't happy with life. Uh, today, I am happy with life. And I've been happy with life for a long time now. And it's all through the program. And uh, what I'd like to share with is that eating the way my disease wants me to eat and it still wants me to eat that way, I weighed over 300 pounds. I weigh about half that today. I didn't eat little extra desserts now and then. I ate the whole things, and, 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 and there was never enough. And I fully believe there is not enough food in this whole wide world to fill me. I'm always hungry. I just don't eat always. I eat plenty, but I don't eat from morning until <laughs> I go to sleep. Uh, before this program, my greatest joy was getting up early Sunday morning, getting my family together and going down to Torrey Pines brunch. And we get there about, I don't know, nine o'clock in the morning, and I eat until the place closed down. You know, breakfast would be over, then they'd bring lunch, and then they'd bring dinner. And I'd still be there. My wife once counted me eating 32 pork chops. And uh, I forgot to bring stuff here, but I, I've got a, a, a plaque, not a plaque, but a, a certificate from the Big Texan in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, they had a 72-ounce steak dinner. Not just 72 ounces of meat, plus a dinner. And if you could eat it, Within one hour, it was free. Otherwise, it cost you 26 bucks, which is a bargain anyways. But uh, <laughs> the first time we went through there, it, it took me about uh, 45 minutes, I think, to eat it. And uh, it was okay. I mean, it wasn't a big deal to me. Uh, and then the second time, I made it purposely to Amarillo, Texas, to, to get that free meal. And I did it in a half hour because... I figured if I ate the meat first while it was still hot, it was easier to go down. You know, the salads and that stuff come, you know, they're, they'll go down cold. But the meat, cold meat, a little bit hard. So I did it that way. And, you know, what I want to share about that is the people there thought it was a big deal. They, they, people don't eat that way. I mean, not most people. And they thought it was a big deal. How do you do it? And to me, it was, that was the way of life. And uh, I liked eating. I still like eating. But what I don't like is weighing over 300 pounds. I don't like having a 52-inch waistline. I don't like it when my legs give out, my back hurts, and, and I think I have angina pains, and I don't have anything. It's just the extra weight that I've been carrying around. Uh, I go out in the mountains a lot. Uh, I do a lot of hunting. And what I want to share about that is that I carry about a 10-pound rifle around. And sometimes when I'm in bad territory, I carry not only a rifle, but I also carry a handgun. And the handgun weighs about three pounds. It comes times when I am so tired, I don't want to carry that extra weight around. 
And to think that I carried an extra 150 around when 13 pounds start meaning something to me today, it, it blows my mind. It totally blows my mind. I came into OA uh, around 1980, and uh, I used to hear the word abstinence, and I didn't know what it was, and no one really told me. We had a few plans floating around, but no one really said anything. <coughs> and so I tried to diet. I tried to do this program like I did all my other. I went on many diets, and everyone worked. I lost weight, but then I'd stop. And then I'd start eating again the way that I wanted to eat, and I'd gain the weight back. And so it was like up and down, up and down. And the only reason I came to OA was because I heard it was free. And all the other programs, I had to sign contracts, it cost money, and blah, blah, blah. And this was free, and I liked it. And uh, when I came here, I immediately knew I was home. Uh, for a while there, I thought I liked OA because there were a lot of women in OA. I also belong to AA, but there are a lot of men in AA, so, you know, uh, I don't go for men. And the, the real reason was there was a man that was sharing, and he happened to be an attorney, and he happened to be the kind of a man that I really wanted to be. You know, like 6'4", probably weighed 175 pounds, broad at the shoulders, narrow at the hip. and I mean, he was a very forceful speaker. And he said a word that helped me, and I hope it helps someone here. He said, put me up against the greatest adversary in the whole wide world, and I'll at least hold my own, and maybe even whip him. Put me up against a Twinkie, and I'll lose every time. And when he said that, bingo, it hit me. I was trying to fight the food and have a little bit of that and a little bit of this, and I shouldn't have had that at all. And it didn't work. And so I got a sponsor, and she was a wonderful lady, and, and she worked with me. And I remember I pray to God, commit my food to her, go downstairs and have breakfast, and open the refrigerator and start eating and wouldn't stop. And I did that for several months. And finally, I got the nerve to say, Fanita, why do I do this? And she said it, because you're a compulsive overeater, Marty. That's why. And she kept working with me. And I finally got abstinent. And I got abstinent by eliminating the foods that I can't really handle. And that's helped me a lot. That isn't the end, though. I mean, that was only the beginning. It's like going to kindergarten. In kindergarten, I learned how to get along with my little fellow classmates. I was very stubborn, so they kept me back a year. And so I really had to learn how to get along. But it didn't teach me how to earn a living. I had to go on to many, many, many more classes to earn a living, to learn how. And that's the way I look at it. Getting abstinent is just being in kindergarten. I still don't know how to live without compulsively overeating. When I'm in turmoil, I want to eat. When I'm happy, I want to eat. So it can't, I can't change the circumstances to make me feel so comfortable that I'll never want to eat. I have to change myself so that I can fit into this world no matter what happens and still 
not overeat. And that's where the program came in. And when I was going to meetings in those days, they used to tell me all the answers are in the big book. And I'd read the book and I didn't get any answers. Till one day I picked it up and I saw the first page. And it said, this is a basic text. What I had been doing is reading the big book like the Sunday funny papers on the potty while riding in a car or eating or doing something. I really hadn't been studying it. I just had been kind of reading it. When I saw that basic text, I decided to treat the big book like a textbook, like I had in college. And I started to read it, memorize parts of it, outline parts, and look it up in the dictionary with words that I didn't understand. And I got a sponsor, like a teacher, one that knew more about the big book than I did. And I went to meetings that really dealt with the big book. I went to a lot of big book meetings. And that's where it started to work for me. The first thing that I learned was that I have an allergy to food. Some foods I am terribly allergic to. I used, we used to, or my wife's here too, and she's a compulsive overeater also, and she is in the program also. But we used to have great times overeating. And we used to order C's candy by the caseload. And I'd go through five pound boxes like nothing. I mean, that was, and I'd punch them out to find the one that'll fill me, and then I'd eat the ones that I had punched out after that. And so I learned that some foods on me I am terribly allergic to and I'm bitter off without them. And C's candy is one of them, folks. Other foods I'm moderately allergic to. They're good foods, like chicken. Nothing wrong with chicken. But left to my devices, I don't eat a portion. I eat the whole chicken and then I go for number two and three. And that's why I weighed over 300 pounds. I mean, it wasn't for eating a little extra portion. And so those foods, I just have to take a portion out. And you know, when I'm through with it, it's not like I'm satisfied or I've had enough. It's just like the show's over, folks. Let's go home. End of the, end, end of the thing. And that helped me a lot. And I want to share one thing. There are some foods that I'm not allergic to, folks, like lettuce. I mean, I have not binged on lettuce yet. I mean, I could have a dozen. When I go out in the forest, I usually take a dozen heads. Now, I think about eating my protein first, all of it to lighten the load in the motor home. (laughs) But I have never thought of eating the 12 heads of lettuce. They sit there. I mean, they're the last things I want to get to. And I call that my friendly food. It doesn't call me and say, eat me, Marty, and I'll make you feel good. It just sits there. And if I eat it, I eat it, and I don't eat it, I don't eat it. It's it's beautiful. And that makes up a good part of my food plan. I've learned in the North Country that salads don't go very well, so I've learned to cook lettuce. What happened was this allergy thing, it's talked about in the doctor's opinion. If that were the end of it, I wouldn't be here tonight. I would just stay away from those foods and I'd be weighing what I weigh and and that would be the end of it. But that's not the end of it. My mind is as sick as my body and I'll get into that. But first I want to talk about Bill. I didn't relate to Bill's story when I first read it. 
He was a stockbroker. And I lost money in the 60s in the stock market, so I have never dealt with another stockbroker again. And that goes to this day. When I go to a meeting and a lady would be speaking, she's a lady, I didn't listen. When a guy would be speaking, he's either taller than me, shorter, fatter or thinner, smarter or dumber, and I wouldn't listen. And one day I opened up that Bill's story to where he came into his office and the stock market had collapsed that day. It had started out at 52, it was minus 32 or whatever, and millions of dollars had been lost and people had been jumping to death. But what did Bill say? Oh man, this is awful, I'm hungry. And he had just had dinner when he walked in his office. So he went to the restaurant and he started eating. And as his tummy got fuller, he felt, God, this is fun. I'll just eat my head off tonight and I'll face the problem tomorrow. And I did that a lot. When I was a little kid and I couldn't play ball, I'd come home and eat cookies and milk. When I got a little older and I couldn't ask a girl out for a date, I'd eat. When I was older and in college and I couldn't study, my solution was to go to, there used to be a chain called Rand's Roundups, and for one dollar you could eat all you wanted. And I'd go there like, at, we'd go there like at six o'clock in the afternoon and, 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 and wouldn't leave until they shut down at two in the morning. It was my solution to life's problems. And so I never solved anything. I never walked through very much. I ran over it or under it or around it. When I stopped eating, those problems hit me hard. And that's when I started to relate to Bill. He was a selfish and self-centered person. So am I. He was an officer in the service and he thought he'd be a big shot when he got out. I was a captain. And I thought, just because I was a captain, I'd be a master of industry when I'd get out. A captain of industry. And <laughs> no one even looked at me <laughs> once I was discharged. And so I had to learn. All my life I had been looking for the solution, and it's right there. All I had to do is read the black. Three quarters of that chapter is devoted to the problem. The problem centers in my mind. I think I'm okay today. I can eat that junk today. And once I start eating that, I'm gone. But that's what my head says. I can't remember the humiliation and degradation of the last binge. And my binges were not one meal. They were month-long binges at the least. And I put on a lot of weight during the binges. It tells me, and I fully believe, and it was that way with me. I didn't like the self-searching, confession of my wrongs to another human being, or the leveling of my pride. And that's what the process requires. That's the rest of the steps of the program. I had to admit to my innermost self that I was a real compulsive overreader. Not a part-time one, not an imitation one, but a real one, full-time. That was the first step in my recovery. And then there are four facets of, of, of compulsive overeating talked about there. And the first one was the one that helped me. The first one's a story about this guy who 
has been binging and he's gaining weight and he's not being successful in his business because of his weight. And so he goes on a diet and he stays on that diet for 25 years and retires with all the money he wants. And then he says, now I can eat the way I really want to eat. And once he starts, he activates that allergy and he can't stop. And within four years, although a robust man at time of retirement, he dies. Now, I was around 50 when I came into this program. And I'll tell you, folks, for the first time in my life, I wanted to live. I didn't want to die. And when I read that, I really started to get into this the way that I thought I should. I started following my sponsor's suggestions. I started going to a lot of meetings. And I really started to following the program. And what happened to me at that time was that I heard this word God. And I had a God when I came in. And gosh, I still have the same God. And I had the same religion. I'm Jewish by religion. And we have Ten Commandments. And I don't like following them. So I sort of split with my religion. And through the help of the program, I've gotten back to it. But what I really want to share is that I thought I was the master and God was the servant. And that's what I really had to change. See, I'd go into a buffet, eat my head off, and tell God, keep me from getting fat. And today I say, God, do you want me to go into the sizzler or not? And God says, it's okay, Marty, you can go in there, but you better be careful about what you eat. And that's all there's to it. And I try to follow God's will. God does not want me obese. But if God's also given me free will, and I can do anything I want, I can walk out of this room and binge my head off if I want to. I don't want to today. I found a good life being abstinent. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. There is no S after path. I can't work this program any ways that I want it. I shared about going in the forest a lot. There are designated paths in the forest. It says, Trail number 107 to Silver Lake. If I follow trail 107, I'll end up in Silver Lake. But if I walk along and then I see a lot of animal tracks, the bear tracks, the deer tracks, elk tracks, some of them make pretty big, pretty big trails. And they look real interesting. And I start walking off on one of those, I will get lost. All the trees look the same. And it's hard to find your way out of the forest. I've been lost several times. And it's the same thing, way with the program. If I want to work this thing the way that I want to work it and not follow the way it is written, I will get lost. And if you want to call it a relapse or a slip or whatever you want to call it, it's the, it's the same thing, getting lost. And you know, if I get lost in the forest, I may die and never get back. And it's not that much different in this program. If I get lost, I may not come back. 
and I may die. And I don't want to do that. So I stick pretty close to the path. path. It tells me that selfishness and self-centeredness are the root of my problem. And I never thought that. I thought I was a great person. But as I look back, I never did anything for anyone unless there was a payback. And if they didn't pay me back, they were on my S list and I wouldn't even talk to them. Today I do some things for fun and for free. And that's a difference. I took several inventories in my time. The best one that I have had taken is the one exactly as it's in the big book. When I came in here and the talk of resentments were on, I thought that was about relatives. I have a brother-in-law that I really never liked. My wife's brother. And that's what I thought it was talking about, a relative, a resentment, you know. That's the way I hooked it up. My sponsor was selling, put down your resentments. And I said, what are you talking about? And he says, make a thing back grudge list. Oh, and you know, it took me a long time to read it. On the top of the big book there, it says, we made a grudge list. We were burned at these people. And I didn't connect that. And so that was easy. I made a grudge. I had a lot of people I had grudges against. And I made the rest of the list. Just as it is in the big book. And there are more than just the grudge list. There's a fears list. And a false list. And a sex list. And a harms to others list. And they all help me see what I was doing. The big book talks a lot about anger. And I thought before I came to this program that I needed to be angry in order to live. That's my adrenaline. Man, I mean, get them before they get you. And then I read in the book where it tells me the wrongdoings of others, fancied or real. That means if they really do something bad to me or if it's just a pigment of my imagination, either one, that anger has the power to kill me. Not you, not them, but me. Now, I don't want to die, so what do I do? And then it talks about in that state. Now, I I do business in California. I'm a native Californian, and a few years back, business got a little rough in California. So guess what I did? I moved some business to Nevada. I took it out of California and put it in Nevada. And my Nevada business is doing twice as good as the California business is. So I'm real happy with it, and I'm looking for more in Nevada. That's the way I leave anger. I'm in that state of anger. I'm in California. So I get in my whatever, car, airplane, horse, I don't care. And I go to Nevada. I get out of that state. I just literally could see myself get out of one state into another state. From the state of anger to the state of bliss. And for me, that helps. I make up a lot of little things. You know, I used to wait around for people to change. My kids, my wife, this and And today I, I, I say, hey, they may never change. I may long die waiting for them to change for me to be happy. So I better get happy right now. And so I try to visualize a lot of this stuff. It helps me. I took my fourth step to my sponsor. And that's where I did my fifth. 
And you know what? My sponsor had to point out my defects of character. When I told him I lied, he said, that's not your defect of character, Marty. Your defect of character is you don't care about the other person. You lie to them because you want them to give you what you want them to give you. Or you steal because you don't care that that other person's work for their property very hard. And so you just take it because you want it. And that started to make a difference to me. It started to try it started to make me try to be a nice person. And that helped. It wasn't the whole story yet though, folks. When I was through the fifth, I did exactly what the book said. I rested for a half hour, for an hour. You know, there's a timetable in this program. It's not like when I feel like it. I'm going to share a little about feelings. Feel like it? I never felt like losing weight. I had to lose weight. I never felt like going to school and learning a profession. I couldn't hold a job. I had to go to school to learn and, and get a profession and get a job. I didn't come in this program because I felt like it. I had to come to this program to live. If I let my feelings direct my actions, I wouldn't be here today. And so I do this on the timetable. I rested that one hour. I made sure I put everything down in that fourth step so me and my sponsor could do my fifth step. And that's when I got on to the sixth step. And if any of you folks have done the sixth step, I hope you agree with me. That's the toughest step in the whole program. Became entirely willing to let God remove these defects of character. I was willing to have him remove some, but entirely in all? No! I wanted to hang on to some. And now I'm going to talk a little bit about a business because the book likens the inventory to a business that never takes inventory. If I opened up a store to sell jeans and I stocked it with all the jeans that I like, you know, like Bill Bass, Jardas, uh, Ralph Lauren, all the designer jeans, because that's what I liked. And then the Levi salesman came around and says, Marty, you don't have any Levi's in your store. And I said, I hate them Levi. Those buttons, they drive me nuts. And he says, but this neighborhood, you'll sell Levi's like crazy. You won't sell these others. I say, you're crazy. I know what I'm doing. And he says, look, you got a little empty corner there. Let me put in my Levi's jeans. I won't charge you a nickel. I'll just put them in. And if they sell, fine, you order more. If they don't sell, hey, that's all right, too. I'll pick them up and take them away. All right, get out of my store. Put your jeans in. Do what you... And the guy puts in a whole deal. And I open my store. Man, business is great. I'm selling like crazy. And, 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 and not only I have to hire more clerks to help me, and I'm making big money. But after two weeks, it's like nobody comes in my store anymore. And I'm wondering what's wrong. Or maybe it's the time. Maybe it's the economy. Maybe it's the... And I don't take inventory. And I go broke. It's the same thing with my life. I don't take inventory. I, don't go... I go broke. I think anger is good. Jealousy is good. Boy, those things are what I thrive on. They're bad, but I don't know it. Now, if I would have taken inventory in my store, I would have seen that the only jeans that sold were the Levi's. 
And I would have gotten rid of all those designer jeans, stocked it with Levi's, and made money, and my landlord would have been happy, and everybody would have been happy, and I would have been happy. And that's what the program, uh, hanging on to this bad news dude stuff, is killing me, and I don't know it. But the inventory shows me. That's what's making me unhappy. That's what's making my life hard. I've got to get rid of it. Once I get rid of it, I've got a chance to be happy, joyous, and free. God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. I'm interfering with God's will. And that's what I had to learn. And I learned it through the process, through the process of the program. The seventh step's easy. Once I'm entirely willing... God removes these defects of character. I don't have to do anything. My sponsor said, stop working on your defects, Marty. You've got them down pat. (laughs) Give them to God. Let God take them. God won't take them unless I'm entirely ready. It's a deal. You know, my God doesn't wipe my nose and give me paychecks. We have a partnership. God gives me the wherewithal to do work, to make money. God gives me the wherewithal to think. God gave us brains to use. And if I get my emotions out of it, I can use my brains and make some very intelligent decisions. If my emotions take over, no way. I can't think worth a ding back. Well, this brought me to the eighth step. It was already done. I did it in the fourth because I had a harms to others list. I looked it over, added a few more names, and took it to my sponsor. No way would I... I'm not going to recommend or suggest. I'm going to tell you not to make amends on your own. That's what a sponsor's for. That's what he's paid for. If I would have gone out and made amends on my own, I would have made more trouble than I had in the first place. And my sponsor gave me one good direction stop doing what you're doing Marty that's the greatest amends you could make to anyone including yourself oh but no buts just stop doing it see I have taken a lot of this stuff I I, I said I'm Jewish you know we have a day of atonement where we go to temple and we pray and we're wiped as clean as could be and go out the door, and then I start doing the same thing that I've been doing the year before. And this was different. This got to me. And so little by little, over the past 20 years, I've been doing less and less of my bad behavior. I wish I could say I'm a saint, and I cut it all out, and uh uh-uh. But little by little, it's getting better. After I had done the ninth step, the promises came around. And man, I was floating around. I felt real good. Real good. And little by little, it started to fade away. It was like, I don't know, but I'd go to meetings and I'd dump and bitch and complain and moan and groan. And some young little girl like that, 15 years old, says, Marty, why don't you work the steps? And I'm glad it was a young 15-year-old girl, because if it would have been an old fart like that, I mean, I, I would have said, what the heck does he know? And 
I, 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 I thought about it. Yeah, I hadn't been working the steps. I had worked them once. And I thought I had it made. And I found, just like I had walked up the steps and had a spiritual experience, I had walked down the steps, cleared down to zero. Thank God I hadn't forgotten about the first step in recovery, though. I remembered I was a compulsive overreader. So I didn't overread, but I was sure close to it, and my life was a mess. And so I walked up. And today I sometimes walk up and down those steps a lot. And I'm going to talk about a spiritual experience for a minute. When I first came into the program, I thought that was seeing God, or meeting God, or ta- I mean, you know, some real big deal. And that never happened to me. And what I have found is exactly what it says on pages 569 to 70. It's a personality change sufficient enough to overcome overeating. I go up north a lot. San Francisco used to be 12 restaurants away from Los Angeles. I had them down pat. Today, it's one coffee shop. I don't... I rarely, when I'm on my own, I don't go into restaurants. They're, they're a little slippery for me. I start feeling I need company. But when I go into a Denny's, it's, <laughs> I'm in and out. Not that their food is bad, but it sure isn't good. <laughs> and, and that's a personality change. I have a power greater than myself today. And it says that religious persons may call it a God consciousness. You know, I've always had a God consciousness, but I shut it off by overreading. I did things that I really were against my conscious, and with overreading, I could pass through them. It, it just like sort of blurted it all out. And not doing that, when I do something that is not really within my ethics, I, I really feel bad, and I have to take care of it. And I'll get into that. And, 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 and there are three principles that are indispensable. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness. I had a sponsor who used to start his pitches with, there is a principle which is a bar against all information. And, and I haven't done it exactly, but which cannot help but keep a person in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. A closed mind. And I used to sit with my sponsor, and we would be talking, and all of a sudden he would go, Didn't you hear it, Marty? I said, No. What was it? Your mind just closed. (laughs) And that helped me. The tenth step tells me I must immediately take action. And when we were wrong promptly admitted it. Not at the right time or the right place or when I feel like it or when they're in a good mood. It's promptly. And so when I step on somebody's toes today, I immediately apologize and try to correct it. What I find, though, is a lot of times I'll step on other people's toes. I will behave in a manner that I really should not behave and I don't want to behave, but I won't even know it. It's like bumping into somebody when you're walking down real fast and you bump them and you don't even know you bumped them. That, I go over at night. 
What did I do today? Where was I a good guy? Where was I a bad guy? And if I was wrong, and it's not too late at night, I'll pick up the phone and call them immediately. And if it can't be done, then it'll be the next morning. The reason for that is, if I carry it, pretty soon I'll rationalize it. I took Joe and Charlie's big book thing, and he does it so beautifully. You go into a grocery store, and you, you sort of bump this lady a little bit. And, and, and you don't think too much of it. You don't say, I'm sorry. And pretty soon it's, she bumped into me. And pretty soon it's, she broke my toe. And on and on. And I don't want to get into that. It's, I was wrong in the story. Let's start fresh. Great. I used to recite the 11th step before I take a bite of food. And if there's one thing you folks can bet on, it's that Marty will eat three full meals a day. And so for three times a day, I had a conscious contact with God. The 11th step tells me I don't know God's will. It says sought, how, through prayer, which means talking, and meditation, which means listening. To improve, that means that what I do today, I have to do a little better tomorrow. Our conscious, it's not unconscious, it's not an automatic, it's not subconscious, it's awakened contact with God. Praying, asking, only for the knowledge of God's will for me, not my will for God, but God's will for me. And the kicker, folks, the power to carry that out. Many times I absolutely know what God's will is for me in a situation. And I say, no, I want to do it my way. I pay the price. God doesn't pay the price. Neither does anyone else. I am the only one. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps... I fully believe there's no way I can have that spiritual awakening without first learning, knowing, and using these steps in my life. We try to carry this message, which I try to do, and practice these principles in all our affairs. Everything I do, at home, in the meetings, at work, all over. When someone cuts me off on the freeway today, I'm not happy about it. But what I do say is, thank God I'm not as sick as that guy willing to die for 20 feet of blacktop. And that helps settle me down so I can get on with life. And that's what this thing is all about, folks. Living life without compulsively overeating and destroying yourself and your family. Having a good life and achieving your ambitions. I don't know what your ambitions are. I know what mine are, and I'm trying to achieve them one day at a time. I'm 74 years old. I feel better than when I was 16, and I've had prostate cancer and a few things going along. I'm going to share something on that. It was diagnosed three years ago or four. I don't remember anymore. And they said I had to have surgery and all kinds of stuff. And I listened to him and I said, okay, I'll tell you something, folks. If I could go to meetings and I could eat certain foods and wouldn't need the surgery, I would have rather have done that. In fact, I would have stayed at meetings 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
if I didn't have to have the surgery. But that wasn't possible. We have a disease. It's a deadly disease. It's a rough disease to, take, to, to handle. But thank God it doesn't take surgery and it doesn't take medication. All it takes is a few simple things. A sponsor, meetings, the program. And with that, I'm going to wish each and every one of you all the happiness and joy that I've had along with all the pain and misery that I've had. I find you can't have one without the other. And for me, it's good enough. I thank you all, and I wish that someday each and every one of you share a little bit about your life with me. Thank you.